Travels with Charlie is paid for by Jolly Convenience Stores, Mill Travel American Express, and Casella Waste. The views and opinions expressed in Travels with Charlie do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to WDEV at RadioVermont.com. Well, it's all about all the folks you meet. Sitting in a diner or out in the street. Catch up with the news. Get your point of view. I want to hear what unravels. I'll see you in my travels. I'll be hanging and good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Travels with Charlie. Your host, Charlie Papillo. Happy to be here with you today and hope you're happy to be here with me as well. Got a great program lined up for you. Before we do that, let me just uh, give a big uh, shout out and thanks to all of the sponsors here of uh, Travels with Charlie because this show would not happen without their support and I hope that you support them as well. My friends at Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, you know, if you're on the road and you're looking for a place to fill your belly, fill your car, Jolly Convenience Stores. That's the place to go. And if you're traveling, check it out to Milne Travel. They've been doing it since 1975. And, of course, my friends at Myers Bagel Cafe, now called Myers Wood Fired. Always wood fired, but uh, they just put in that name in there just to remind you that their bagels are unique. They're hand-rolled, they're honey-boiled, and they are wood fired. And they're at their new location, 408 Shelburne Road, in Burlington. And a quick reminder, if you miss any of this program and you want to listen back to it, you can listen at the WDEVradio.com. The podcast of previous shows are available there. And also, I recently changed my Instagram account. Uh, it used to be all about pizza, uh, the pizza business that I did. Uh, but we've... Uh, after 15 years, I'm not making an announcement here. Many people know about it, but after 15 years, we're, we're putting the oven away and, uh, the Instagram account is Charlie Papillo, just Charlie Papillo. And you can check that out. Usually you'll have, uh, some insight into our radio guest here as well as what else is going on in my life. If you want to keep up with, uh, my travels and other things that I do. So appreciate if uh, you check that out. Uh, today's lineup. Well, Colchester's newly appointed police chief, Pete Hall, he's going to be joining us today. We've got uh, Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. We're going to be talking about Vermont's bottle bill. But my first guest uh, today on Travels with Charlie, he was with us recently with details on a poll commissioned by Campaign for Vermont. Well, all of the data has now been released and filling us in on that. Won't you please welcome back to Travels with Charlie Campaign for Vermont board member Ben Kinsley. Ben, good afternoon once again, and welcome to Travels with Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Glad to be here. And, Ben, you're off the hook again. You know, you're doing this by phone, so you know uh, you didn't have to bring any graft in or no... Uh you know, I'm going, I'm getting hungry here, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know, I know. I should have brought some of those bagels with me. <laughs> well, uh, um, I appreciate you joining me again because we want to, let's do kind of a quick recap uh, of uh, the poll when you were last on. I think we, we were up to uh, three parts that you had revealed and then you recently revealed the fourth part, which is about public safety. Legislative pay, which I think we can get into a little more on, uh, that topic as well, and child care concerns. But 
Um, let's talk about uh, those uh, previous numbers and if you can give us a little more insight, like how many people were interviewed, did you get a good cross-section from where, who conducted it, and all of that. So go ahead, Ben. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> Great introduction. Um, yeah, this is a uh, scientific poll that we commissioned. Uh, we had a third party run it um, who does a lot of these sort of um, polls. In fact, we had two two different organizations uh, collaborate on it. And um, it was 400 people from all around the state, um, <clears throat> just individuals over 18 years old. We did filter it for that uh, or screen for that. Um, and, you know, some of the things we asked about were, you know, how do people feel about the direction of the state? How do they feel about uh, the job that the governor and the legislature are doing representing issues that they care about? And what we found is that 53% of Vermonters uh, felt like the state was headed in the wrong direction uh, compared to 35 who felt the opposite. Um, and two-thirds uh, two -thirds supported the governor and the issues that he was putting forward, and 51% uh, opposed the uh, the issues that the, the legislature were, were putting forward and, and the work they were doing. So, um you know, some interesting stuff there. Uh, it seems like the the legislature perhaps is getting blamed for some of the um, perceptions about the direction of the state. Um, and we found that a little bit as we dug into individual policy issues. I think we talked last time about the uh, Clean Heat Standard Bill right. and people's opinions on that. Obviously, they're quite supportive of, you know, doing something about climate change overall and addressing that, but um, didn't agree with the legislature's solution on that particular issue. Right. And in most cases, we find that they agree with, uh, you know, the changes, but then when you, uh, you know, bring out how you're going to do it and with the cost involved, many people say they don't, there's a certain amount of money that they would spend, but not very, very much. They don't want to be taxed anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. So we found that like two thirds of people uh, were supportive of hitting carbon neutral by 2050. That's the Paris Climate Accord um, target. <clears throat> but then we started asking things like, well, how much would you be willing to pay in order to support hitting that carbon neutral target? Um, and immediately 50% said they were not willing to pay anything. And then of the people who were, um, the uh, only about you know, basically everybody said um, they were only willing to pay up to $100 a year, which if you do the math on that, it's like $25 million in the state budget, yeah. um, which is very small compared to uh, what we're already spending and what the legislature is contemplating that we spend. That's right. Uh, I, I forget, Ben, and maybe you can uh, you know jostle my memory a little bit and uh, for our listeners as well. Uh, Vermonters' opinions of electric vehicles, did that come out in the poll at all? Um, that was not in this particular poll, but um, I've seen other polling numbers on that, uh, and people are very supportive of incentives. They love incentives. Um, what they're wary of are uh, penalties. Um, you know, they like carrots, not sticks. Yeah. That's basically the um, what we're seeing in, in some of these polling numbers is that, you know, they like the idea of reducing uh, carbon emissions, but they want to do it through like incentives for electric vehicles and solar panels and heat pumps and those types of things. They don't want to get penalized for continuing to use 
cheaper forms of energy. Right. And, you know, getting away from the pole in, in a, for just a moment here, I mean, with electric vehicles, you can support the use of electric vehicles, and it would be great. We are all driving electric vehicles, but you have to get the grid up and running. Uh, you have to have charging stations throughout the state. We're not ready for that, and I don't know when we'll be ready. Uh, any Any comment on that, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I I like, uh, you know, my next vehicle purchase will probably be an electric vehicle, um, you know, so like I, I'm I'm there. I think there's advantages, uh, certainly from a cost of operation standpoint, there's there's advantages to that. Um, but, you know, range, range is, a, is definitely a limiting factor. The availability of charging infrastructure is definitely a factor. Um, and then there's other things like uh, the legislature has not even talked about, um, you know, as we transition to heavier duty electric vehicles like trucks, um, you know, that requires specialized uh, charging stations if you're if you've got a trailer attached. And so there's real limitations that, you know, we just haven't fully considered yet um, in making those transitions. Right. Um, and I, I think. think- Yeah, cold weather certainly has a lot to do with that. Uh, Ben Kinsley, my guest this afternoon, Campaign for Vermont. We're talking about the recent poll that uh, they commissioned and some of those numbers and uh, some of those opinions. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the numbers that were released. And we talked about last time uh, with uh, housing and cost of living and public safety, all top issues. I mean, if you're running for office, it seems to me that those are the things that you would be, be focusing on. Absolutely. And it was interesting to us that those are all those three issues are the ones that Governor Scott hit on in his state of the state address as well. I mean, he's always talked about cost of living and affordability. That's you know kind of one of his central issues, um, you know, and he talked about housing and then he talked about public safety, which was a whole new topic that he really has never talked about. Yeah. But we're seeing it in our polling data. This this was the second most important issue to people um, both ways that we measured it. And that was surprising to us. I think the governor certainly is paying attention to that. Um, And Vermonters are are really concerned about what's happening, um, you know, from from that perspective uh, in Vermont, particularly young women. Uh, We're seeing that in our polling data. All right. We've got a property tax, a statewide property tax looming right now. Don't know where that's going to be. Looks like, uh, you know, in the teens somewhere, high teens and education uh, in the poll not good numbers, a 34% positive rating. Could you break that down, you know, in grades and proficiency curriculum? Uh, could you do that for us, Ben? Yeah, you know, I think what we've seen is, you know, overall there's been a slide in um, the performance. And when I say performance, we're looking at test score data. Um, since really 2014, um, there's a couple of years because we switched testing models. Um, so the Agency of Education will tell us to not to ignore a couple of years there. But, you know, they were sliding uh, for a few years even before COVID, and COVID accelerated that. Um, we went from, you know, being one of the top performing states in the country to middle of the pack uh, based on test scores. And over the same time period, we went from being the seventh highest cost per student to the to the highest the second highest cost per student behind New York um, and I think what people are feeling now especially with this property tax increase looming is that they're paying more and more for um, a product that is not what it used to be right um, and I think people are really starting to get that that feeling and one of the things that was really um, indicative to me in our polling data was that 
um, the parents, uh, parents of, of school-age children were more likely to think that the quality in our education system was poor than the general public was. Yeah. And so to me, that says that's a leading indicator and people are starting to catch on. And I think it's going to be a very difficult budget season for for school boards, unfortunately. Mm. Questions or comments from my guest this afternoon, Ben Kinsley with Campaign for Vermont, 244-1777 or toll-free at 1-877-291-8255. Ben, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into the final numbers uh, from that poll, and we'll talk about this uh, petition that Campaign for Vermont uh, has recently put out. I uh, want you to sign it and get it to your legislators, and we'll tell you all about that straight ahead right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.millatravel.com Back with you. Good afternoon. Travels with Charlie. We've got uh, Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight coming up at the bottom of the hour and then we'll check in with Colchester's new police chief, Pete Hull. Right now, I want to tell you about Myers Bagel Cafe. Myers Wood Fire. That's the new name. They're at 408 Shelburne Road in Burlington. Did you know that you can order online? Makes it real simple. You know, you just put your order in. Go to MyersBagels.com. Simple as that. Check out the menu. Order it and then just go there and, and pick it up. And you're going to enjoy delicious, creative sandwiches. Their own smoked meats. They do them right there. And of course, the bagels. Hand-rolled, honey-boiled, they are the best. They win awards every year. Seven Days just gave them a Daisy Award. They are the best, absolutely the best. A great place for Sunday brunch, too. Check it out, uh, their their signature Bloody Mary that they do. They do like a surf and turf. You know, it's got a little meat on it. It's got a little shrimp on it and a little Montreal steak seasoning, and they do it with, with Tito's Vodka. Very, very good, trust me. And did you know that if you wear, they sell hats and shirts and things like that. They've got great-looking toques, which are very... Very nice this time of year. Just wear it in. You'll get 10% off your order every time you wear it in. MyersBagels.com. Order online or stop in today. They're open from 6 to 2 daily, 408 Shelburne Road in Burlington. And Ben Kinsley staying with me. We're talking about the recent poll that they commissioned and talking about some of the opinions of Vermonters, about 400 in particular. And Ben, let's get right into the final part that you released just recently, dealing with public safety, legislative pay, and child care concerns. Next yeah, in the um, it will start with child care, I guess, because those are the numbers I, I have in front of me. Mm-hmm. But I think it's we sort of were talking uh, a few minutes ago about how Vermonters um, are very reluctant to support anything that increases their tax burden, cost of living, anything like that. Um, and even for something as kind of universally supported as child care, um, we we still saw over half of. Vermonters opposing the new payroll tax um, that's being enacted to support 
um, the child care program. And that partially, one caveat I would put on that is that may partially be because of what those funds are being used for. If it was, you know, more child care slots for low income families or something like that, um, perhaps more people would support it. But this particular bill that they, the legislature passed last year is actually um, just increasing the eligibility age or excuse me, eligibility for um, by based on income for the uh, um, subsidies that are already kind of in the current system. Um, so families now, you know, family of four up to like $170,000 a year of income could get subsidies now. Um, that's essentially what that payroll tax is paying for. So if it was used for something else um, in the child care space, there there may have been more support for it. And uh, public safety, only 35% felt very safe. Yeah, and that was surprising to us. Um, we this was kind of a last minute ad <laughs> that we that we put this um, you know public safety question in there, and um, and yeah, there surprising number of people said that they don't feel safe in their community anymore, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, we don't have long-term data to, like, kind of compare that to and how that's changed over time. Um, but we saw this in our open-ended policy question as well about, like, just what overall issue is most important. And both ways we asked it, public safety was number two. Um, so people are definitely thinking about it, and this is top of mind for a lot of folks. Well, we'll be able to uh, get into that a little bit further with uh, Colchester Police Chief Pete Hull when he joins me uh, coming up shortly here on Travels with Charlie. The issue of legislative pay. Now, this is one certainly um, you know, we can have a lot of fun with. Uh, you know, I, I certainly mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you chuckled, too, you know, when the legislature gets back into session and the the first thing they're always thinking of us, Ben. Uh, Yeah, they're thinking of how they can get our money. A legislative pay increase immediately when they head back to to Montpelier this year. What are they thinking and what were the members uh, of the uh, the poll that were that were asked? What did they think about that? Uh, It was pretty overwhelming. Um, Seventy (laughs) seven percent of respondents said they were less likely to to vote for a legislator who had um, voted to increase their pay. Uh, 100%, which is what last year's bill does. And this year's bill is a little obfuscated, but it's pretty close to that number as well. Um, And, uh, yeah, of course, uh, very unpopular. Only 6% said that they were more likely to support legislators uh, who who advanced this policy. Uh, And, yeah, this might be the first bill that they passed this year from the Senate. Uh, we'll see. What are they uh, thinking? It's going to be interesting. You know, six, I, I don't know. Six percent really favorite, uh, Ben. You have to think that you know there must be their families. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the we we probably got a couple uh, you know legislative spouses in there or something. <laughs> of like, course, yes, I want a pay increase. Oh well, yeah, you know it's it's a tough question to ask because everybody deserves an increase uh, at some point. You know, cost of living is going up. So. But their increase is nothing like anything that anybody that works in the private sector has, I would guess, ever seen in their life. I mean, yeah. think about no, they're, it. They're talking about um, last year it was doubling their pay, yeah. which I, I, don't, I can't – I don't know anybody who's ever had their pay doubled, even from switching jobs, like switching jobs from one – uh, working for one organization to another or a different career. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen – anyone do that um and this is you know for the same job they're doing now and and i think one of the real concerns here is that we start 
becoming it, it starts trending towards a professional legislator, meaning that we have right. a political class here in Vermont of people right. who, you know, are not citizen legislators but are full-time um, professional legislators, and you know that that's a very different thing than what we have today. Exactly, and that's what it seemed like a you know a full-time job, and it's not a full-time job. And in fact, you know, the governor has even said, uh, you know, I'll I'll ing- agree to. An increase. So what we'll do is you just you know work three months instead of four months. And we've been talking about shortening the the legislature. I think all the way back to to Jim Douglas, uh, we've been talking about it. Uh, one final point before we break here, and that is support for a taxpayer bill of rights. Can you explain what that is, Ben? Yeah. So this is something that Colorado did back in the 90s. And basically what it is, is um, the state legislatures only allowed to increase um, state spending uh, at the same rate as the underlying growth in the economy, essentially what it is. Um, if they, they the only way they can exceed that rate is um, by taking a ballot measure to uh, the, the people of Colorado. To say we need to increase it five percent, the economy is only increasing three percent this year, and here's why. Um, and they have to get buy-in, kind of like what Vermonters do today on town meeting when you go vote on your school budget and your town budget and all that sort of stuff. Do the same thing with the legislature, but it only triggers if they're exceeding the underlying growth in the economy. Yeah, and there's lots um, to consider there too, Ben. Certainly, uh, you know, specifically in public safety, and we can again talk with uh, with Pete Hall, the police chief, about that, but. Um, you know, we're finding that it's we have to increase salaries specifically in public safety to attract people for those jobs. So to keep that to the rate of inflation, uh, it might be kind of tough. Yeah, it might be. But I think that, you know, we, we don't have any issues passing, except for maybe this year, <laughs> passing school budgets every year that are well above the rate of inflation. Yes. Um, and as long as you can explain to people uh, why the increase is necessary, uh, I think you're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that the legislature often doesn't make that explanation to Vermonters. They're just like, you know, they, they either try to hide the increase by putting it in a, you know, an excise tax or something like that, where mm-hmm. it's not hitting people um, in a transparent way. And uh, like last year, for example, the they increase spending 13%, but the only outright tax increase that people are going to see on their paycheck is that new payroll tax for child care. Right. Um, everything else was sort of hidden in fees and excise taxes and everything else. Um, and so this is a, you know, a, a way, a mechanism of getting the legislature to justify increases that are beyond the underlying economic growth. Sure. And uh, people are pretty supportive of it. We found uh, 67% favored that sort of concept. Yeah. Campaign for Vermont's uh, Ben Kinsley with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. You can go to their website, campaignforvermont.org. You can see all the numbers of the recent poll that we've been talking about this afternoon. And also, I'd like you to just mention, if they do go to that website, they're going to find a petition to sign and send to their legislators. If you could briefly explain that before we break, Ben. Sure. Yeah, we took really all the results of this poll and realized, um, you know, the legislature is not listening to people. It's really what the big takeaway was for us. Um, so we decided to do something about that. And uh, last week we've launched a petition drive. We're still getting it going, but we've got dozens of signatures already, even in the first few days. And 
you know, we're going to continue to um, to push this out there for the next several weeks um, to try to get the legislature to pay attention to what Vermonters are asking for. Let's hope they listen. We, we need to get a campaign going where we send uh, hearing aids to Montpelier, I think, sometimes. <laughs> and maybe eyeglasses, too. I'm not sure. Uh, eyeglasses <laughs> and hearing aids. There we go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that'll, that'll be our next agenda. Uh, CampaignForVermont.org. Yeah. Check it out on the website. Ben Kinsley. Ben, as always, appreciate you joining me and stay in touch. Thank you so much. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. we got the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight coming up with Jeff Weld, and then we'll talk with Colchester's new police chief, Pete Hull, right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly Convenience Stores, with over 40 locations to choose from, makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. Welcome back to Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo, and it's time for the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Jeff Weld, Director of Communications, joining me on the phone line this afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, Charlie, how are you? I'm doing great, uh, certainly in enjoying our uh, our mild winter thus far. So, uh, well, if you don't ski, you like it. If you do ski, you probably don't like it, but... I want to talk to you today about uh, what's going on. We just wrapped up a conversation with the Campaign for Vermont on some of the things going on in the legislature, and we didn't bring this one up, but this is going on in the legislature. They're, again, trying to expand our current bottle bill. They want to include wine, hard cider, non-carbonated uh, alcoholic beverages, including water and milk, juice and sports and energy drinks. I guess the first question I would ask, uh, Jeff, is why? Yeah, so um, I think everything's important in the right context, right? So this is a a bill that was vetoed last session and it got brought back to the table, and uh, the Senate just sustained it. So, you know, it's off the table for this year. It could get brought back on, I'm sure. But I think um, well, what a lot of proponents would tell you about an expanded bottle bill is that, you know, it could re- increase recycling rates, could reduce litter, um, and take uh, – material out of the landfill. Um, but really, from our standpoint, from, you know, realistically speaking, Vermonters, as a rule, do a very good job of recycling, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's through the existing redemption program, through a curbside program, or, or by bringing recyclables to their local transfer station. Um, recycling rates in, in Vermont are strong. This kind of expansion that they've talked about for the last couple of years really targets a small amount of material that's already being recycled and could have a lot of unintended consequences from an economic standpoint. Um, so really that's that's sort of where the questions come up about whether it makes sense to do this, how we would go about doing it. Um, I think from Casella's standpoint, we've always been a proponent of recycling more right. and doing it most efficiently and effectively as possible, and we just don't see that. Um, bearing out in reality the way this bill was proposed. And in fact, they're talking about raising the, the, the redemption fee from a nickel to a dime and, you know, including wine bottles and things like that. Uh, 
Um, and the argument being that uh, these are some of these bottles, some of these items are needlessly put in the landfill right now. And, you know, it's anecdotal for me. I don't think it's that way. But is there any evidence to say otherwise? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes what you, you will find some of this material in there, but by and large, as a general rule, the, the material that we're discussing, it's already being recycled through one of the existing programs. Um, and it's, you know, if it's coming through a MRF facility, it's being sold into many of the same markets that that bottom, mater- bottom bill material is being sold into. Uh, it's much more efficient, it's cleaner. You know, you don't have to store all your materials at home. You, you put them in the bin, you put it out to be collected, and it, and it goes to get recycled. And, you know, it, it's much more cost-effective. You know, some of the estimated costs to operate the, the existing bottle bill system is around $8 million a year. Uh, an expanded system could, could see that go up to as much as $12 million a year. Sure. And what that really does on the other side of that is it takes that material out of, you know, the single-stream system or the or any uh, system like ours, and it, it disrupts the cost back to the, the customer. So, right. you know, a lot of people will point out and say, you know, this is all about, you know, Casella's revenue stream and, uh, and all of that. It's really not. I mean, this is more about um, how disruptive taking that material out, not being able to sell it back, and then passing that savings back to the customer. Exactly. What that might do to the rest of the rest of the system. You can find out more information, as always. Go to the uh, the website, uh, casella.com. Jeff, well, looks like uh, the Senate did the right thing, uh, thankfully. And uh, more information at casella.com. Appreciate you uh, talking with us uh, about this this afternoon, Jeff. Have a, have a great day. Yeah, pr- appreciate you having me on, Charlie. Um, and and you know, I think I think as we as we shift into 2024. You know, the best use of our time is to sort of come together and, and find a way to make all these systems work work right for each other and right for the state of Vermont and uh, recycle better together. So Absolutely. I think that's the road we're on. Absolutely. Let's uh, keep up the good work. Thanks for joining me this afternoon, Jeff. All right, coming up next, Colchester's new police chief, Pete Hall, joins me right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella, which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. Welcome back, Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo, and my next guest here on the program is Colchester's new police chief, Pete Hall. Good afternoon, Pete. Thanks for joining me here on Travels with Charlie. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, An honor to have you on as well. Uh, Certainly, uh, I was there the day that you were sworn in, and, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, that really I was impressed with, three previous chiefs in attendance... Doug Allen, who recently retired, Jen Morrison, who is now currently our public safety commissioner, and Chuck Kirker, who I think is our longest serving in Colchester. He also hired you, I believe, 
and recently retired Deputy Chief Jeff Barton was there. So, you know, Colchester has a distinction of long-serving members of its police department. You've been there since 1990, I believe, so about 34 years. Why yep. do you think that is, <laughs> Pete? <laughs> I think it speaks a lot to the community that we serve. And and I think that um, that combined with the culture of of the town uh, government and the police department in particular um, has always been one of uh, professionalism um, and when it's a very close group who's, you know, work, we work closely together on a variety of issues and, and, and you know, projects through, through the years. And I think that, um, you know, this community is one that um, once you are here, uh, it, there isn't a lot of reason to leave and go elsewhere. Town manager Aaron Frank in his comments uh, mentioned that it was 1967, the first department uh, in Colchester. It was two officers and a cruiser. Uh, I don't know if they argued who was going to do the walking beat and who was going to drive that day. But, you know, beyond the obvious, Chief, what are some of the big changes that we've seen in in the police department in Colchester and in, in general? Well, just, you know, for, it's, it's, I'll start with Colchester. Um, you know, it's just the growth of this community in Chittenden County is, um, you know, astounding, even in the time that I've been around um, since 1990 when I came to, to this community. Um, you know, the growth and how the community looks as compared to what it looked like even back then is, is um it, it amazes me how different things are now as the community has grown and and with it the uh, department grew and and um it's had to and policing on a general level has changed significantly in my time uh you know um things are a lot more complicated i think um in the sense of uh you know, having to deal with things uh, with well, social media being an example or just the lies that we enforce now and how they are um, approached as opposed to what it was like when I started um, is significant. It's, it's become much more complex. Yeah. And um, I think our legislators, not that they didn't want to tackle social issues, um, I think in the last 20 plus years, um, they've done more of that and tried to dig into the root causes of problems, not just dealing with, um, you know, a, a, you know, if, if it, if you do this, this is what the circumstances, this is what the consequence will be. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, uh, when our state's evolved, right, you've, you've been here a long time as yep. well and yep. you've seen that. And think of some of the other changes that, uh, the, the very obvious, you know, the material ones, like, uh, body cams, uh, now being worn, uh, you know, some of the, some of the weapons that are used, uh, oh, you, yeah. if you take a look inside a police cruiser, I mean, it's, it looks like, um, you know, a control room. There's all kinds of electronics in there, which oh, didn't it's, exist it's, it's, 30 years ago. Oh yeah, it's crazy. When I first started, you know, we, we would each have our own briefcase where we kept all of our paper forms <laughs> and, you know, we would carry that out and put it in our car and we were set up and we had, uh, we had very little, I mean, we had some equipment, but nothing, nothing even close to, um, you know, what we have now. I mean, my portable radio used to be huge and, yeah. and heavy and yeah. now it's, it's not even close to, 
um, that size and the ones that we carry now can do, you know, right. so much more, handle so much more, uh, so many more channels and and talk to different, you know, fire department as well as, as the police department. It's just amazing to me how technology has pushed um, this profession forward. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, for some it's a struggle because, you know, police officers aren't, aren't great fans of change historically, yeah. but um, I think it's, I think it's been a very positive and important thing um, for us to move forward as technology does. And it's, it's made our jobs um, while much somewhat more complicated at the same time, the tools we have today to deal with things as compared to, um, you know, even 15 years ago right. are, are making our job safer and, and it's making it safer for everyone. You and know, I would the more imagine tools you with, have in your kit, the better the better you are. Yeah, and I would imagine with uh, with most things, most things uh, involving technology, the younger ones, in other words, the ones that are coming up, they grasp it a lot easier than. I'm older than you, but um, you know, I still remember bag phones. <laughs> You're talking about uh, you know how uh, technology has changed. Um, um, so it's probably easier for them uh, than it is for some of the some of the ones that have served longer in in police. And um, you know, with that said, uh, I know that we have a new. Uh, uh, officer coming on tomorrow, uh, so I can change this number. You know, 29 sworn officers. Uh, that's going to be changing tomorrow, but there's still some positions that need to be filled and more graduates on the way. But how do you recruit in the current environment? It's very difficult, uh, not just because of the job, but because there's a lot of competition from other agencies that are trying to hire the same candidates. No, absolutely. We're all, you know, we're all vying for the same candidates and, and, um, it has be, has become quite difficult. Um, and everyone in the area has worked hard, um, to think outside the box and try to do something new to attract, um, applicants to their departments and their communities. And, um, you know, it's, Vermont is, um, an interesting state, um, because it provides so much when you come to Vermont for like a quality of life. And if you're active, I mean, it's a great place to be. Yeah. Um, what we struggle with if we're trying to attract people from out of the area is where are they going to live? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so that's been a challenge. Um, the other, you know, the other challenge is the social climate um, and people's opinions and thoughts around the policing profession. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, when you boil down some of it and, and really look at what the profession really is, which is service to the community, uh, um, it's still a very honorable profession. And, and we have to work hard to maintain our integrity and um, remind people of that. Exactly. And there are people out there who want to serve their, their, their fellow man and they they want to help others and you know this is a great way to do it questions or comments from my guest this afternoon on travels with charlie at 244-1777 or 1-877-291-8255 colchester's new police chief pete hull my guest this afternoon and pete with uh, those numbers that we just talked about uh, you know 30 sworn officers uh, as of tomorrow and still more positions to fill and what that means is with the number of officers that we currently have, we have some of the highest call to officer ratio of any department in the county. 
you know, even higher than Burlington. Burlington has more police officers than Colchester. So my question for you is, how do you keep officers fresh and energized and not feel overworked? Well, that's that's a great question, you know, and we struggle with that um, on a daily basis. I'm very fortunate to have a pretty dynamic um, supervisory staff as well as um, our patrol staff, and they work um, to try to spread some of that workload and come up with ideas to help reduce some of it um, when we can. I think that, um, you know, our staffing, while so I, uh, we, are, we are, you know, we are allotted 29, uh, that tomorrow's swearing in will put us at, I think, 23, um, because we have openings. Yeah. You know, and the more we fill those openings, the the more... Uh, that will also spread the work, spread the work out as well. Um, I think we have to, you have to look as an agency, you have to look at, you know, what you're requiring for, um, documentation, you know, and if there are things that you can cut back on some of the redundancy in, in paperwork, um, that will help, you know, alleviate some of the workload. It won't, it won't cut the number of calls for service that you have, but, you know, that call for service is just the tip of that iceberg, right? Yeah. Every incident requires a lot of documentation. Right. Thank you for uh, for clearing that up. I misspoke on uh, the number of – we have 29 sworn officer positions, and currently only 22 are filled. Tomorrow we'll have 23 of those filled. And with that, uh, yeah. the high high uh, call-to-officer ratio uh, that we have. What's driving those calls, uh, Chief? Because as we take a look at some of the numbers – Violent crime is down, but larceny steadily increasing, as well as drug overdoses and unresponsive cases. Those are up, and again, that seems to be a national trend, not just in you know Colchester, not just in Burlington, not just in Vermont, but the entire country. Yeah, I, you know, I think that we all are pretty familiar with the um, you know with the addiction disorder epidemic that's going on, regardless of the drug of of choice that that someone is having an issue with and as well as our mental health issue and they're all entwined right um and the larcenies are entwined in that and it drives it drives those numbers and um you know i don't have a solution to any of it is you know i know the whole state is struggling our community struggles um and then nationally you know it's it's a struggle Mm -hmm. um but you know it's really that that drives those numbers up and, um, you know, it's, it's always been the case, I think, in my career that, that um, those types of things drove a lot of our, our larcenies and other property crimes. But it's, it's become much more acute in the last couple of years. What do you what's your response to, you know, what we're seeing? And is this is this just a perception with the public that uh, a lot of these larceny cases and even some others that we think that people should be doing some time, they get a slap on the wrist. Um, so with that said, uh, well, you know, what's wrong with, uh, you know, stealing? Nobody's going to nobody's going to say anything. I'll be out on the street tomorrow. You know, we're seeing the result of that. In many communities, specifically in Burlington, where stores have reduced hours, they've they've shut down, they've moved to other communities. Um, do we need to do more with uh, with punitive uh, measures? Well, I can say that what we're doing now doesn't seem to be working. Right? I think that um, I think that we are 
Um, I know the legislature is looking at, at you know, a couple of bills um, regarding uh, uh, retail theft in particular, um, as well as looking at our bail reform and conditions of release. And I know the Chiefs of Police Association, as well as the sheriffs and, and uh, public safety, are, are monitoring those and, and, and are there to work with the legislature on those problems. I think that um, I'm a big believer in reparative justice, and I'm a big believer in alternatives because, uh, you know, traditionally what we have done hasn't been successful either, really, to solve the problem. And I think that – but I do think that there is a portion of any population that those alternatives aren't appropriate for and or crimes that those – alternatives may not be appropriate for and we have to find that we have to find out where that that place is in our system um and anytime you reform a system i think that finding that you know that that sweet spot where it's going to work as efficiently as it's going to be able to is always the struggle and i think you know we're kind of in that process Colchester's police chief, a new police chief, Pete Hull, with me this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. In fact, fifth in line to serve Colchester. Uh, Let me just do a little rundown for you. Your resume, you've served as a patrol officer, detective, corporal, school resource officer, patrol sergeant, operations lieutenant, and support lieutenant. Is there any one position that you like the best? And how do you think all of these positions are helping you as a police chief? Well, I I think, you know, for me, the, the happy time, I've enjoyed all my positions, mm-hmm. actually. I can't say that there was one in particular that I really loathed to get through. Um, but when I was, my time in the school um, was probably my uh, my favorite time in my career up to this point. It just, um, it was a great period of learning for me. I got to see it, um something outside of the police culture and how it worked. And I learned a lot about collaboration and um, really looking at, the, you know, kids in particular, but the people I was serving, which was a vulnerable population, mm-hmm. and just the devotion that all these folks had to try to make sure that, you know, what was done was best for kids. And I think that um, that was a great period of learning for me. Other yeah. than that, I, you know, I loved being a patrol sergeant. That was a great that was a great assignment as well. And that's, you know, serving in the in the school systems, that's that, that is a way of community policing and many people feel that that's something that we don't see as much as, you know, growing up I grew up in Burlington and I always remember, you know, the police officers walking by your house and talking with you. We don't see that as often. Uh, I I do have to to mention that I got a, an email from a uh, a community member when you were, you know, being suggested as a, a police chief for Colchester and he said that he remembered you on a bike. You were doing a bike patrol and I think it was in the <laughs> evening and you, you rode by his house and I don't know if there was a light on or a garage door was open, but you contacted him and let him know that something was going on and he thanked you very much for it. But boy, back to the old days, riding a bike, uh, chief. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. We had a bike unit. We still do. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean that was part of the deal. And if we were having issues um, and weather permitted, you know, it was a, it's a great way to um, go through a neighborhood and you know try to get an assessment on what's going on and maybe you know maybe ride up on the people who are who are doing the car brakes or whatever. I think that that 
I think if I remember that correctly, that had to we had been having a lot of car breaks at the time. Um, you know, and and the funny thing is about that as well is um you know, when you're in a car there's a barrier and when you're on a bicycle or walking there isn't. And yeah. you're more observant of what's going on around you and um you see more. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Chief, it's been great talking with you this afternoon. Wish we had more time to, to talk. Uh, um, you, you know, Jen Morrison was there uh, as well, and she said that uh, people asked her why she left uh, when things seemed to be settling down. She said that because there were so many great people inside the organization who deserved the same opportunity to grow as leaders. So giving you that opportunity and and off you go. And as you know, the, the select board uh, uh was behind you unanimously. We we support you and always try to uh, hire from within. So we're we're glad that we have you there in Colchester and, and leading the way with with all of our uh, our troops. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right, uh, thanks for joining me today. There you go. That's our program for today. Thanks again to uh, Chief uh, Pete Hull for joining me and Jeff Weld from Casella Waste and of course Ben Kinsley from Campaign for Vermont. My next program will be on February 12th. Man, there it goes soon. It'll be springtime soon. <laughs> Travels with Charlie is brought to you, hopeful. Uh, Travels with Charlie brought to you by Casella Waste Systems, Jolly Convenience Stores, Milne Travel, Myers, Wood Fired. My theme song is written and performed by Billy Bratcher, my executive producer, Brad Furlan. Running the board today, Danny Mergivergen. Give it up for Danny. I'm Charlie Papillo, and I'll see you in my travels.